in the middle of the night, you know, you get that that parent with the, the kid with the fever, doesn't know what to do, or here's a rash or whatever. It's nice to have an alternative to having to get in your car and, and go out in the middle of the night. And about 10% of these people do need to go to the hospital, and that's what we'll, we'll give them advice and direct and help with that. The next day, they get a phone call to make sure that whatever the advice was that's being followed, they don't have any challenges. Welcome to 20-Minute Health Talk. I'm your host, Brian Donnelly. Today, we're talking about Northwell Health's newest telehealth offering, an overnight service called ER On Demand. Our guests are Dr. John D'Angelo, Northwell's Chief of Integrated Operations, as well as Dr. Jonathan Berkowitz, Medical Director of Emergency Medical Services at Northwell Health. So many of us face emergencies overnight. This program sort of answers that question, what do I do? Dr. D'Angelo, kick us off and, and tell us what is ER On Demand? Sure. Um, so ER On Demand uh, is essentially a telehealth service to the public uh, where folks could uh, have a virtual visit with one of our emergency physicians. Um, it started out as an overnight service, so 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. roughly, uh, kind of like the PM pediatrics model, but virtually. Uh, when everyone else is closed, we're open and available uh, to provide consultation, advice, and direction, uh, depending on what the patient's needs are. The pilot, I believe, was earlier this year. The launch date was July. You know, Where did this concept start, and what was it like getting here? So it was actually a long journey to get where we are. We started off in the pandemic, actually, when the fire department in New York asked us to do telemedicine on calls that they didn't think they'd get an ambulance to. So we built up this infrastructure. Um, but then uh, later in the year, in about November, um, we had the realization that we should offer this to, to our employees. And we began doing so. Um, and that was met with success. And we, then we expanded it to a pilot and then made it available to the public as we found that this was really valuable to our patients. Yeah, and I think everyone can relate to this concept. Uh, I think most people have found themselves, you know, late at night, you know, whether it's their children, themselves, family, needing medical attention and sort of not knowing where to go. Uh, what has been the feedback that you've heard? Uh, the feedback so far has been exceptional. Uh, very high patient experience uh, kind of uh, feedback and scoring. The next day, they get a phone call to make sure that whatever the advice was that's being followed, they don't have any challenges. If they need an appointment or a follow-up, we're coordinating it. So it's a really high-touch um, scenario. Um, in the middle of the night, you know, you get that that parent with the, the kid with the fever, doesn't know what to do, or here's a rash or whatever. It's nice to have an alternative to having to get in your car and, and go out in the middle of the night. And about 10% of these people do need to go to the hospital, and that's what we'll, we'll give them advice and direct and help with that. And Dr. Berkowitz can talk about that. But. That's interesting, just 10%. Just 10%. That's a really small number. It is. Um, and you know, we found that a lot of people, that the value that they find from our service is, is, has been, we've been surprised by, by what the response we've gotten. Um, our, as John said, you know, every patient gets a follow-up survey and a follow-up call. Uh, some of our favorite responses from our patients have been people who came in skeptical. We got one this morning. I was really skeptical that you could help me. But I walked away amazed that you helped me, and I'm now referring this to all of my friends. Those are our best comments, but all of our comments uh, are, are, in general, are in general extremely positive. Yeah, and that's a really good example because, you know, people coming to you making this call late at night, are in a desperate situation. Uh, how do you get them from there to, you know, satisfied with this, that the service, but also with their needs met? You know, there's a couple of keys 
to what we've built, um, I think the biggest key is that we have actually a pretty small group of docs. So we, so most of the docs who are, who are providing the service do, do at least four shifts a month. So they develop you know, a telemedicine bedside manner. They understand what it's like to communicate this way. Um, and so they develop the skills that really, that, that, that really, that really translate to the media uh, and to the medium. And, it, it is, it, and it, that's what gives the patients the confidence in the care that they're getting. Um, we have tons of great doctors in the system, but to develop the skill to do this uh, via, via camera remotely takes time and patience. And learning how to communicate with a patient in that medium is a skill that uh, you have to develop. Yeah, and I just also want to add and compliment uh, John and the others. Uh, you know, this was a well thought. It's not just the interaction with the patient. It's the processes that were lined up around the interaction. Um, and uh, for example, at the initiation, there's a screening that's done by a, one of the, the EMTs, medics from our, from our Center for EMS. And if someone calls and says, I'm having crushing chest pain and I'm sweaty, what should I do? We're initiating the ambulance and we're getting them into the right level of care. So we're not wasting time of people waiting to get a virtual visit with the doctor and, and they have something. So, so there was a lot of work going into the beginning of this to make sure we have the right entry points um, and the right pathways so that, that, that people get into the right level of care. And if it's telehealth appropriate, then that's the next step in the process. But I think, um, and then the back end processes we talked about before, if there's a downstream need, whether that be a lab the next day or an appointment follow-up or whatever it is, I think um, part of the reassurance that patients feel is not only knowing there's an answer or they have some insight now into what their medical you know, condition is or what they can do about it, but um, I think part of the uniqueness of this program is, is that that ability to connect people with what else they need potentially uh, downstream. And that call the next day, there was, you know, we had great partnerships and collaboration. So, for example, our patient access center has been involved with us from the beginning. So if that next day follow up requires someone to be seen by X type of a provider within two or three days, uh, it's it, there's a warm handoff right then to our patient access service center who takes the patient and then walks them through the appointment making process. So to John's point, it's not like, you know, we take care of the one episode and we're done. It, it's it's guiding the patient and helping them down that that those next steps in that journey for that particular episode. Right. Sometimes patients on the day we, we find that they need an appointment, sometimes on the follow up call, they say, you know what, the doc yesterday asked me if I want to follow up with anyone. And I, I didn't really think I needed anything, but. I'd like to see one of your doctors. And we say, okay, we can, we can arrange that. And we have the, the PRPS partners have been excellent in helping us connect the patient um, and moving them through their care journey. And that's a really interesting point because, you know, the past 18 months, we've seen telehealth explode. I mean, it's something in Northwell, like 5,000% increase in telehealth uh, requests need, right? right? What does this look like outside of ER on demand for Northwell? Yeah, I mean, uh, you're exactly right. The um, the one of the many things that that we as an organization experienced through this pandemic was quickly learning how to um, how to innovate, get out of our own way, not do things the way we've always done them. The demand was tremendous at a very fast pace. So, and telehealth fell into that into that you know stream of. I think we did a few hundred uh, visits before COVID to thousands and thousands of visits after COVID virtually as an organization. So uh, telehealth has been in Northwell for a long time. It, the, the primary focus initially was very high-end hospital-based telehealth. We have a very robust EICU program. 
We have telehospitalist programs. We have a very uh, uh, valuable telepsychiatry program that services the inpatients and the EDs around the system. So we've had telehealth around for a while, but we were pre-COVID getting into that journey of how do we get this into the ambulatory network? How do we get this into the hands of specialists so their patients don't have to come to the office potentially? Uh, how do we leverage consultation needs uh, maybe from an ambulatory provider who's at home, but we need like a dermatology consult in the middle of the night in an emergency room? How do we use telehealth for those types of things? And John and I were working on pre-pandemic, how do we think about telehealth into the back of an ambulance uh, for stroke patients and things of that nature? So the health system has been on this telehealth journey for a long time, um, and um, but COVID certainly accelerated that tremendously and also accelerated the comfort level of the people providing the service and the comfort level of the patients that are, that are engaging in it. So I think um, it's been um, like a lot of things from the pandemic, it's really fast-tracked uh, this, this new era. And, and just to add that data point uh, I mentioned before, it's a 5,031% expansion in telehealth service use between February 2020 and February 2021. Within Northwell alone, the CDC reports a 154% increase in telehealth visits during the last week of March 2020 as compared with the prior year. I mean, those are mind-boggling numbers. Absolutely. Um, you know, Dr. Berkowitz, uh, when you hear that and, you know, in the role that you're in now, how satisfying is it to be able to, you know, cut down, you know, the time it would take for someone to figure out what to do overnight in an emergency, to cut down the need to go to a hospital? I mean, that this must be a very satisfying uh, role that you're now in. It's it's incredible, incredibly satisfying. Um, you know, when when you do that follow up call, um, if I saw a patient and someone else does the follow up call, I actually get an automatic notification that this is how my patient is doing. And every time I get that 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 notification that my patient is doing better, I feel I feel I feel great. I feel you know I really met the patient where they are where they were where they are, met their need, um, and it it is incredibly satisfying to know that you're really delivering a service that meets them um, in their moment of need. The importance of making this available from anywhere in the state. Can you talk to me about how that uh, got built into this program and why that's so important? Yeah, I think it's important. It's just the next, I think it's part of our evolution. We're constantly brainstorming on how do we leverage this asset, you know, this service uh, to greater and greater extent uh, to provide care, to get it out there. And um, certainly we do believe that the, the greatest value is within our own catchment area, within our own network because of all the the connectivity and the downstream and, and all the things we can do leveraging all the assets of the health system. So it's not just that episode of care on that, you know, that 20 minute, 30 minute encounter. But with that being said, this type of service isn't out there. And our docs are licensed to provide this level of care in New York state where we're up, we're available, we've got capacity. Uh, one of the things we've leveraged in this planning is we have 350 or so emergency medicine physicians in our, in our group. Uh, we cover, you know, the, our entire Northwell footprint. Um, so if the demand increases, we can quickly scale. So um, so our our first kind of uh, journey into that beyond our network, beyond our geography. Uh, recently, we've uh, we've put our our access on on, an, on the Walgreens app, let's say. So in New York State on, you know, in the Walgreens app, you can say oh, I need an ER visit in the middle of the night. I'll click this button and the Northwell doc will be the visit. Um, we talk to employers about possibilities of, uh, of providing a service to them and their employees. 
Um, there's a lot of things we're we're brainstorming on on how we can further leverage this. Uh, but uh, certainly, there's no reason. That's the advantage of telehealth. Uh, there's no reason you can't do this from anywhere to anywhere. And and let's talk about the expertise that people find when they call this service. So you know we have uh, I, I, you know I can't say enough about the quality of our docs. I mean um, you know we've taken we have fantastic docs, emerging physicians at Northwell, and we've taken. Um, some great docs, and we've, we've really given them a lot of experience, and they develop the skill. When we have ambulances that have problems, our docs are there for them too. Um, and they've really developed a skill at how to kind of navigate these situations when they're not right next to the patient, which is not normal for a doctor. We're used to being next to the patient, looking them in the eye personally. In this program, we do believe there's going to be a lot more innovation around care outside of the hospital. Um, and our model, uh, I think, will lead the way. And I want to add to that. I think, you know, again, it's leveraging our size. So, like I said before, we have 350-plus emergency medicine physicians, board-certified docs, all residency-trained in emergency medicine. They cover our 20-plus, you know, EDs um, and um, and other, other venues. But within that, we have three academic programs. We have all sorts of fellowship subspecialties of emergency medicine. So we have toxicology-trained people, sports medicine-trained people, EMS-trained people. The whole gamut. So this isn't just like we'll take the ten people that volunteer. We get the op- we have the opportunity of finding those that are a very enthusiastic, very eager to get involved with this, and we felt comfortable with their clinical skills and the level of quality they're going to deliver and the patient experience they're going to deliver. So it was really you know it's another opportunity to leverage our size and make sure we. I think we. We have an amazing team. They're the perfect people to be doing this. Um, and we had it's a luxury we have. We didn't have to go out and recruit for this. Right. They all raised their hand and then we felt they were the right people. So and and they're and they're very technical. I mean, you know, part of one of the requisites is that you have to understand the technology. You don't have to be a programmer, um, but you have to be able to, when the patient's having an issue, be able to help navigate them and not just kind of say, Oh, well, I'm I'm a doctor, I don't do technology. Right, because in the middle of the night, particularly, but I think at any time of day, I mean, people can struggle with the technical aspect of this and, and to be able to guide, to be the doctor, the trusted person, and then also be able to guide them technically. Yes. That's got to that's smooth the process over pretty well. That's one of the things that I think makes it really smooth from the patient's perspective, because there are tech, there are tech hiccups. It happens. Um, and when you have a, a physician who's comfortable with that, it, 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 it relieves the anxiety that that little hiccup might provoke. And speaking of relieving people's anxiety, you mentioned before, Dr. Berkowitz, uh, the, the being able to look someone in the eye, the face-to-face contact, uh, the patient's uh, video camera, they have a video on, and the doctor's able to see their environment. Uh, I wonder, is there anything else gained from that? You know, we recently were talking with one of our movement disorder specialists who treats a lot of Parkinson's patients, and she was talking about the, the added layer of benefit she gets from seeing the patient's environment, seeing them move through the home, and a lot of these physical uh, examinations a clinical examination aspects of her her uh, job are, are almost enhanced by the telehealth platform. Do you find that in ER on demand? Absolutely. So we, as a, as a physician team, we meet every two weeks and, and we spend a lot of time talking about our cases because we're learning this together about which exams you can do well um, via telemedicine, which, which you know, tricks to do, you know, and, and, and we're discovering a lot. You know, abdominal self-exam is a great exam, a great example of something that we've done a lot. We've caught a couple of patients with some significant uh, illness that you know, went to the hospital and needed needed treatment 
um, because we're, de we're, we're developing comfort in this. And it's because we, we're all passionate. We all share the passion. We all communicate with each other. And we're, we realize that we're really going into new territory and we're doing it together. And, and using that example, the visual aspect of it, Everybody, you know, every human is a little bit different. Like, is it hurt that bad? No, it's not that bad, man. Uh, you know, and they're dying. You Scale know, so, of one to 10. Yeah, so yeah. so everybody's gonna subjectively report to you things that are different. So when you have that uh, that objective ability to watch their face, so, you know, push on your stomach and they're like sweating and grimacing. Right. No, yeah. no, it's not bad. You, you can't no, it's bad. Reaction. Yeah, so that visualization, not just of their environment, but how their appearance, how they're reacting, how they're, you know, um, and, and then, uh, then the obvious stuff, like you can't, you can't, they can't describe the rash to you if it's right. something like that. But, uh, but yeah, it, there's definitely a, a value in that, that visual uh, connection and the visual physical exam that these guys are becoming experts on. Um, and as John mentioned, you know, we do send about 10% of the patients to the ED. When we do that, um, we do a verbal handoff. So we'll call the ED and say, hey, I just saw this patient. Um, I'm telling them to go to the ED. This is what I think is going on. And we tell the patient that when you get there, they should know a little bit about you, which also helps them uh, to relieve their anxiety. It's another advantage to the patient, right? If they call and screen and it's something that needs to go or John's team sees them, uh, having that handoff to the ED so that it's not, they're not starting all over again when they get there is another key piece, um, which we have the luxury to do with our Northwell ED. Most definitely. How, how have you found that handoff? Has it been, because this is a new uh, service, right? <laughs> I mean, how has that gone? <laughs> the first time I called an ED and told them that I just saw a patient on telemedicine and I'm sending them to the ED. I said, like, I'm, I'm one of your Northwell ED docs. I saw a patient, I'm sending to ED. They were like, what? Yeah. It's <laughs> four in the morning. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> right. They were like just so confused. But that, but that's exactly why we do it because we don't want the patients to show up in the ED and they try to explain what just happened. And they're like, and the doctor's just confused. And we don't want to miss the thing that we found out that we're worried about and have them and, and have them think that they didn't need to come in. So um, it really is that handoff is really important. And it, it was kind of funny initially. I think I think now we've gotten pretty good at the script for this so that, that people understand what's going on. We're at the end of our time here at 20 Minute Health Talk. We like to end on a positive note. So I wonder if each of you could share with us what gives you hope, what gives you optimism going forward. Dr. D'Angelo, we spoke with you back in January about you know data and tracking during COVID. Uh, what gives you hope now? And is it any different than when we spoke last? Yeah, well, I think when we spoke last, we were talking about you know surges and uh, hospital volume and COVID. Unfortunately, we're kind of at the early, well, we're at the middle of a third wave now, actually in our hospitals, but what gives me hope is the numbers are 10% or less than what we dealt with wave one. Um, I think a lot of that is due to um, the diligence people have had in our in our communities around the, the things that we've asked them to do, social distance, mask wearing, things of that nature. But um, I think the vaccines have made a real difference. Um, we see that in the types of hospitalizations, the severity of illness we're seeing. Um, and what gives me hope now is that we're on the cusp of, again, uh, boosters and other things that, you know, this is not over. I know everybody's tired. It's been a long road since March of 2020 that we've all been battling this. But, uh, um, I, you know, I just I think um, what gives me hope is the fact that I think we're we're in a better place. And uh, the resiliency of the staff and, and uh, the health system has been amazing. So that's uh, and this is just one of dozens and dozens of innovative kind of uh, programs that have just, it's going to make us come out of this pandemic so much stronger than we went into it. 
COVID right. cases are surging, even though it is less than it was. Are you seeing a lot of that? And how has uh, Delta sort of impacted, you know, what you're seeing in this program? Yeah, I mean, the hopeful thing for me or the optimistic thing for me is that this program is, um, at least for me and for many of my team, um, our respite from COVID. There's not actually much COVID here. It's actually our opportunity to continue to improve patient health outside of the pandemic because there's a lot of need regardless. Um, so we're not seeing tons of COVID-related complaints. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us here on 20 Minute Health Talk. And for our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Have a great week and stay safe. Get more expert insight from some of the leading voices in healthcare today. Subscribe to 20 Minute Health Talk on Podbean, Pandora, Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts.